Good morning to everybody. It just uh, We're going to be starting this brand new uh, series. It's called Hidden. And uh, just talks about all the different things that we may have hidden inside of us that we deal with on, on a daily basis. Um, as we start here today, just want to let you know that every single one of us here are different. Aren't you glad about that? Can you imagine an entire church or an entire city made up of just people exactly like you? That look exactly like you, behave exactly like you, talk exactly like you. And I know that we're all different because some of you, that really would excite you. <laughs> and there are others that would horrify them to think that. In Kid Zone, we play a little game where we uh, help our kids to see just how different they are, but also how similar they are. And it's a fun game of would you rather. I'm sure you have played that before. We'll ask a kid, uh, the kids a series of questions, and based on the answer, they would run to one side of the room or another. And so we're going to play that game here this morning, but I'm not going to ask you to get up and run to one side of the sanctuary or not, and you can stay right there on your couch. You don't have to run to the kitchen or run to the living room or anything like that. So instead, we're going to just raise our hands, okay? So we're going to play a little game of Would You Rather?, and so I'll ask you the question, and then we'll see who uh, agrees on which side. So here's our question. They're also in your, uh, your handouts today. Would you rather vacation at a beach or a secluded lake? Raise your hand if you are a beach person. All right. Raise your hand if you would rather have that secluded lake. Ooh, I think that was pretty much even. Okay. All right. Uh, who would rather go to Disney World or stay in a secluded cabin? So Disney World people, raise your hand. And secluded cabin people, raise your hand. Okay. All right. I think the cabins had that one. Here's an interesting one for you, a little bit harder. Would you rather be stronger than average or smarter than average? So people that would rather be stronger, raise your hands. We have... Four, okay. <laughs> and how many would rather be smarter than average? Okay, smart people have it on that one, all right. Would you rather have the ability to become invisible or to fly? All right, how about our invisible people? You raise your hands. And people would rather fly, raise your hands. Okay, we got a lot of people that would love to fly, okay? All right. And a couple more. Would you rather never have to worry about money or never be tempted by things you don't need? And that's a little bit deeper. How many of those would never, uh, would rather never have to worry about money? Raise your hand. All right. And how many would rather never be tempted by something we don't need? Okay. And one last one here. Um, would you rather attend a party with as many people as possible or stay home playing games with friends? All right. How many party people do we have here? We have a few. All right. <laughs> we got about five. And how many would rather stay home and play games with friends? All right. All right. We got a lot of game people here. So the point is um, that we are all different. Uh, some of you are the secluded lake and cabin person. You are smarter than average. You want to become invisible while you stay home, just like me. And the rest of you are weird. 
right? See, God has made all of us different, not better or worse than anybody else. We're just different types of people. Uh, We're not normal. We're not weird. We're just different. For example, I am an introvert. I am an introverted type of person. It doesn't mean that I can't behave like an extrovert. It doesn't mean that I can't do extroverted things. I just know that after I do those, that as an introvert, I will need some time to decompress after doing that. So after church and after lunch today, I'm probably not going to be hanging out with a whole bunch of people. Most likely I'm going to take a nap. All right. And because I believe naps are a holy institution instituted by God himself. All right. They, I think they are a Nazarene sacrament that we all need to partake in. See, I need that time alone because hanging out with, with people drains me of energy instead of energizing me. It's not that I don't like people. It's not that I don't love hanging out with people. It's just that I know that that drains me and I need time to recuperate. So some of you are introverts just like me, and some of you are like Cheryl, right? Yeah. <laughs> See, it doesn't mean that I'm wrong and Cheryl's right, although if you would ask her, she would probably tell you that she has a better personality, but uh, we're just different. See, we're all products of our nature and our nurture. We're all products of our genetics and our upbringing. God has made us different and he has placed us all in different environments. You are unique. And so there in your handout today, you can even write down some areas where God has made you unique, where you are different than the person that is sitting next to you, that you are different from somebody in your row or somebody in your family. So each of us approaches life differently. Each of us has a different perspective. Each of you carried in with you this morning this mixture of emotions and hopes and dreams and desires. Some of you are super excited to be in church today. And some of you are frankly ticked that you were drugged here today. You didn't want to come, especially in this weather. So here's what I know about you as a human. Not only did you bring in your genetics, not only did you bring in here your life experiences into this room or there in your living room as you're watching online, each of you also has this litany of things inside of you that you probably would rather keep hidden. So if you're taking notes down here, write this down. Hidden inside of you are things that trigger you. Inside of you are places that you would like to go to escape. Inside of you are places where you would rather go and hide from reality and hide from everything that's going on in your life. Inside of you is this whole collection of insecurities and biases towards other people. And even if two of you have the exact same personality type, you will still see the world through different lenses because you have different experiences in life. For example, I read a story this week of a, of a man who said that when he was probably about six or seven, he remembered that he fell down on the sidewalk in front of his house and he scraped his knee and it, it was bleeding and it hurt really bad. And he came into the house and he was crying and he had his arms out like this. And all he wanted was to be comforted by his mom. 
But she instead told him that he needed to just stop crying. And instead, she handed him an Oreo. And she told him that the Oreo would make everything better. Now, I know that an Oreo doesn't seem like the worst thing that could possibly happen to a person. But for that little boy, that Oreo started him on what he says is a lifelong battle with food. Where he would make food into his comfort. Food would make everything feel okay for him. And through that one experience, he learned that certain things could bring him comfort. And for him, it was food. Perhaps each of you too has things that just take a little bit more control over you than you would want to allow them. Uh, One time I gave up coffee. It was terrible. It was horrible. Medically, I would just admit to you that I am, uh, was, and probably still am addicted to the caffeine that is in coffee. And when I stopped drinking coffee, I had immediate headaches and uh, my body went into withdrawal. There was a time when Carol gave up chocolate for Lent. You know, the 40 days right before Easter and you give up something and whenever you are tempted to partake in that, that you would just pray and spend that time with God. I'm telling you, it was the worst Lent I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> so it's not, it's not the Oreo or the cup of coffee or a piece of chocolate that is sinful. It's what's hidden inside of us that compels us to go to those things, that compels us to need those things. It's what's hidden inside of me that forces me past that invisible ledge from the acceptable to the sinful. And I wonder if we made a list of things that we're attached to, or maybe the things that we are addicted to, the things that have too much control over us. I wonder what would show up on your list. And just in full honesty for you this morning, uh, for me, that would probably also be food and social media. Spend way too much time on both. I know both of those are hindering the the person that God wants me to become. So what would be your Oreo? Is it food? Is it clothes? You just have to have another outfit. There's some of you probably that have clothes in your closet that you've never worn before or are never going to wear. Is it experiences? You just have to do the next thing. You just have to have that next uh, um, adrenaline rush, whatever it would be. Maybe, if you're honest, it might be alcohol. Might be influence over people. It might be people themselves. I know people that their Oreo would be their achievements in life. They just have to achieve the next thing. They just have to be a little bit better and get the next degree or get whatever it might be. Is it money? Is it sex? Is it approval? Maybe it's comparing yourselves to other people. And so I'm just going to, we'll pause this morning and I just want to ask you, you can internally ask yourself this question, how is life for you right now? As we enter into 2022, how is life going for you? What's your stress level like? What are you stressed about? How's your job? How's your marriage? How's your heart? How's your heart doing? 
If you were to think about this scale of a scale of one to 10, where uh, one would be absolutely unhealthy and 10 would be just as healthy as you can possibly imagine, how healthy is your soul? On the surface, we may see that guy eating an Oreo or we may know that college freshman that's comparing herself to others. We may see that lady buying yet another outfit that she may never wear, or we may know a guy that stops by on the, at the bar on his way home from work, or someone checking Facebook just to see how many likes he has on his latest status. What we don't see, though, is that person that has disconnected themselves from the person who God is wanting us to become. The real question is, why do we allow ourselves to be stuck in such a pattern? Why don't we become automatically that person that God is wanting us to be? Maybe you find yourself there. And so here we are at this start of a a brand new year. We hope and we pray that it would be better than 2021. And I'm not talking about COVID. And I'm not talking about our government or the price of gas. I'm talking about something that's just as important as the health of your body. I'm talking about the health of our minds. How is your mental health? How is your sanity? In other words, borrowing from the Apostle Paul, why do we do the things we don't want to do? Why do we always find ourselves doing the things we don't want to do or not doing the things we know we need to do? Have you been there? Maybe you said something that as soon as it came out of your mouth, you just wanted to take it back. Oh, why did I say that? Perhaps some of you have texted something and as soon as you hit send, oh, that's not going to go over too well, right? You wish you could hit the delete button. Or maybe you promised yourself you wouldn't have that second drink or the first or that cigarette. Why do we do the things we don't want to do? What does it take us from a rational thought to irrational behavior? And so this month, we're going to spend some time focusing on things on the inside And this time of year, we're used to people devoting themselves to changing the outside, right? You might make a resolution this year. I read uh, this week that fitness gyms at the very beginning of January usually rent extra equipment. Maybe not this year because people still aren't going back to the gym. But in years past, they would rent extra equipment for a week. They knew on January 8th, they could return all of those extra pieces of equipment. All the new treadmills and the stationary bikes and all those kind of things could go back into storage because January 8th, there was no need for them anymore. People had already given up. And so this entire month, we're going to devote to some of these questions. What is triggering destructive thoughts or behaviors? Where do I find myself retreating when things are going bad? How do I feel about myself compared to what God thinks of me? Do I have preconceived notions? Do I have biases towards other people that keeps me from seeing the way that God sees them? See, none of these issues are 
the outside things that we might go to Planet Fitness to fix. But we're going to tackle them here. We're going to tackle them here at church. We're going to tackle them together. And we're going to tackle each of these with God. As you may know that uh, Carol and I were uh, up in Rockford for about seven years or so. We pastored up there. Rockford is not uh, too different than, uh, than uh, Pekin in many ways. One of the most glaring similarities between Rockford and Pekin is we both have potholes. Right? Did any of you hit those on the way in this morning? We each have potholes. But when you live about two and a half hours north where there's more ice and there's more salt that's being used, those potholes seem to be more frequent and they seem to be a lot deeper. I know uh, a couple of my friends up there that received brand new tires from the city of Rockford because the city didn't fix their potholes. If you're taking notes, write this down, that unfortunately people have potholes too. A human pothole is that emotional pain. It's caused by those hurtful words or those behaviors of other people. That pothole might be the shame of sin. It might be the inferiority that we feel compared to others. When we look at them and we see what they look like compared to us, we see what they have accomplished compared to us. But our potholes are often more like sinkholes. They're under the surface. They're just lurking, they're waiting for somebody to unearth them. Left alone, they cause nobody any harm, we don't think, until somebody or something exposes that sinkhole, affecting no one until that sinkhole is triggered. You know what a trigger is, right? Um, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about a gun, the trigger is that mechanism that makes the gun fire, right? Makes the gun shoot. Mechanically speaking, the trigger is the catalyst that sets off a whole change of, chain of events in that gun. Starting with the release of a firing pin. And that firing pin flies forward and it hits this, what would seem like a very inconsequential explosive charge that's located in the base of the round. And that explosion, though, ignites the gunpowder, which is tucked inside of the casing, which is surrounding the bullet. And the pressure changes then forces that bullet out of the casing and down the barrel of the gun towards the target. And if you were ever to take a gun safety class, one of the first things that they teach you is to never point the gun at something that you don't want to see destroyed. Because whatever's in the path of that bullet is going to be destroyed. See, if our potholes are the unhealthy ways that we try to suppress the past, if our sinkholes are our anger, our jealousy, our addiction, our pride, our arrogance? What is it that triggers us? What is it that unearths all of that? Whatever that is, is just a mechanism that removes the scab of an eternal wound. And so if you're taking notes, write this down. Our trigger is the person or the action or the words that uncover 
an internal scar. And when that scar is exposed, watch out. The gun's fired and someone or something is about to be harmed. And just like that gun, bam! Eventually, if they pull hard enough, you are going to explode. And we keep up this analogy with, with a gun. The force that's uh, required to pull that trigger is called the trigger pull. All right? And there are those of you here that I know that have a really strong trigger pull. It takes a whole lot to set you off. It would take a whole bunch of force to get you to finally overact or explode. There are probably those here this morning that have really light trigger pulls as well. Our scripture today is It's a story found in the Old Testament. It's a story with a lot of unanswered questions here. It's a story about a man with really deep sinkholes. He had a really, really light trigger. So turn with me to the book of Esther, if you would, or the scripture is in your handouts. If you open up to the very middle of the Bible, uh, you should open it up and it'll probably fall to the book of Psalms. And if you would just go back to the front a little bit, Esther is a couple books in front of Psalms. It's an easy way to find it. So before we read our scripture, let's give you a little bit of backstory to this, this book. The book of Esther is really about the Israelite people, God's chosen people, about 500 years before Jesus was born. And about 100 years before that, the... Uh, a foreign empire had come in and had exiled the Jewish people. In other words, they packed up all the people that they wanted. They packed up all of the smart people and all of the educated people and all the people that they handpicked, and they took them all to a foreign land. Now, a hundred years later, some people have returned back to Jerusalem and others have not. And this book centers around two Jewish people named Mordecai, and his niece, or maybe his cousin, uh, Esther. The book starts with the king has thrown a couple elaborate parties, as he liked to do. And during that party, the king gets drunk. And he calls for his wife, Vashti. He wants his beautiful wife, Vashti, to be brought to the party so he could show off her beauty to all of those that were in, in attendance. But she refuses. She doesn't want any part of it. And the king goes absolutely nuts. He disposes Vashti. He kicks her out. He, he takes away her, her crown. All because she refused to do what he said. And then he holds a beauty pageant. Because he wants to find a new queen. And this is where we're introduced to Mordecai and to Esther. Esther hides her Jewish identity. She doesn't let anybody know that she is Jewish and she is now part of this beauty pageant and she wins the whole thing. And the king becomes so enamored with Esther that he appoints her as the new king. But meanwhile, there's always a meanwhile, right? Through this turn of events, Mordecai overhears two men discussing that they wanted to assassinate the king. 
It almost sounds like a soap opera or kind of a bad movie in a way, doesn't it? But here, Mordecai tells Esther. Esther tells the king. Mordecai is credited for saving the king's life. And Mordecai is now the hero of the story. But no story is complete if we don't have a villain as well. So enter a man named Haman. Haman is elevated now to the highest position in the land underneath the king. And, and the king makes a decree that everyone is supposed to bow down to and kneel before Haman. And everyone did, except Mordecai. When Mordecai sees Haman, he refuses. So we're going to pick up this story now in Esther chapter 3, verse 1. Let's read this. After these events, King Xerxes honored Haman, son of Hamadatha. If you ever think that you have a weird name, just spend some time in the Old Testament. You'll find somebody that'll make you feel better, all right? He honored Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, elevating him and giving him a seat of honor higher than that of all the other nobles. All the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman, for the king had commanded this concerning him. But Mordecai would not bow down or pay him honor. When the royal officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, why do you disobey the king's command? Day after day they spoke to him, but he refused to comply. Therefore they told Haman about it to see whether Mordecai's behavior would be tolerated. For he had told them that he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down and pay him honor, he was enraged Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, remember Mordecai is Jewish and so is Esther, the new queen, although nobody knew it at this point yet. He scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all of Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. Skip down to verse 8. Then Haman said to King Xerxes, there is a certain people dispersed among the peoples and all the providences of your kingdom who keep themselves separate. Their customs are different from those of other people and they don't obey the king's laws. It is not in the king's, it is not in your best interest to tolerate them. So if it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them. And I will give 10,000 talents of silver to the king's administrators for the royal treasury. So the king took his signet ring from his finger, gave it to Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemies of the Jews. Keep the money, the king said to Haman, and do with the people as you please. See, this Persian empire, this, uh, the empire of King Xerxes was huge. It is stretched from the Holy Land area all the way down to Ethiopia in, uh, in Africa, all the way east to India and Pakistan. It covered a, a huge geographical area. And the local people were reeling here. They were reeling at the news that there was going to be, it was put on the calendar on this particular day, there is going to be a mass genocide. On this particular day, all of the Jewish people are going to be wiped out. And Haman not only initiated this harebrained 
idea, but he also decided that he was going to bankroll the whole thing. He was ready to give up 10,000 talents of silver to finance the genocide of the Jews. Now, a talent of, of silver is roughly equal to about 70 pounds. So 10,000 times 70. That's how many pounds of silver he was ready to give up. Now, because your pastor is a math nerd, um, I wanted to figure out exactly what Haman was willing to pay in our, in our day for the genocide of the Jews. 270 million dollars. One man was willing to pay 270 million dollars so that a whole race would be wiped out. Every man, every woman, every child of Jewish faith. What in the world would compel a man to make such a decree? What would make a man want to bankroll mass murder? What triggered this man so that he wanted to, to destroy an entire race? Remember back in verse 2. All the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman, for the king had commanded this concerning him. But Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor. See, Haman was the top guy. People were supposed to fall down, face down on the ground, out of reverence and respect to Haman whenever he would go somewhere. And everybody did except one guy, except Mordecai. Mordecai remained standing. And when this happened, this did something inside of Haman. And Haman snapped, and that trigger was pulled, and Haman exploded. And that sinkhole was revealed. And Haman's sinkhole, that was, it was huge. See, we don't know a whole lot about Haman. We don't know anything about his previous life before uh, he became the top dog. We don't know what kind of pain this man went through. We don't know what kind of shame he had, what kind of wounds that laid under the surface of Haman. We, don't, we do know that he brainstormed and finance genocide just because one man wouldn't kneel down before him. So whatever lied beneath the surface, Mordecai exposed that nerve. If you're taking notes, write this down. When you and I get triggered, all of that energy from our past hurts must be channeled and transferred somewhere. And I hope, uh, I would guess that none of us in here are in danger of plotting murder. But if we don't deal with our sinkholes, eventually something is going to trigger us because we have allowed those destructive emotions to take up residence within us and inside of us. And the first step in this journey this month is recognizing the things in our life that trigger us. Those triggers are merely a catalyst that set off a destructive chain of events in your life. Maybe you might get angry. Maybe you might raise your voice. Maybe you might say something you didn't want to say. Maybe you might threaten someone. See, reacting to those triggers might be normal, but if we don't recognize them and respond appropriately, they tend to 
bring us on a downward spiral where more and more and more we feel worse and more and more and more those around us seem to get hurt. And I bet you there's a whole bunch of triggers in this room and a whole bunch of triggers for people that are watching online today. Maybe your trigger is that date on the calendar that's coming up. You dread that date. It's an anniversary or maybe it was a loss or a trauma. It's just, man, there's something about that date. Just brings the worst out of you. Maybe your trigger is that you just are doing too much. You just can't take it anymore. Your stress level is way too high and you're overwhelmed. For some of you, uh, you being triggered might be you're spending too much time alone. It's loneliness. These last two years, this has been a trigger that we've seen over and over again. Maybe your trigger is being judged or criticized or bullied or teased or, or put down. For some of you, it's a, it's a financial problem. If there is one more bill that comes in, Sometimes your trigger is just being around that toxic person. Your trigger could even be a smell, a taste, a noise, something that brings up that painful memory we've never dealt with. In full transparency for me, my biggest trigger is when somebody says something that I did that I didn't do. Or if somebody says that I said something that I didn't say. I'm not sure what it is about both of those that uh, just gets underneath my skin. And, And honestly, I should probably speak to somebody because I know this is an issue for me. I just, I can't stand it when somebody lies about me. I hate that. See, I may not be able to control the actions of the people that are around me, but I sure can control the actions of me. I can control how I react to that trigger being pulled. God has given you and I the ability, because of his strength, to always choose, write this down, he has given us the ability to always choose the holy over the unholy. 1 Peter 1, 16 and 17 says, Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. I spoke to so many people about this verse. It's kind of the the cornerstone verse of of our Nazarene denomination. Uh, that we should be holiness people, that we should always choose holiness over unholy. And people have told me that's absolutely impossible. Every day, there's nothing I can do about it. They say, every day I have to sin. I can't get away from it. I'm going to sin in word, deed, or actions. And friends, I'm here to tell you that is absolutely false. It is not true. Because God said, be perfect because I am perfect. And if that were not possible, if that were not possible, then God is some outrageous liar. And God has never lied to us. Therefore, if God said it, it must be possible for us to choose the holy over the unholy. Now, can we do it on our own strength all the time? Absolutely not. But that's where we need to lean into him. And here's the the good news for us. 
the God of our universe in his kindness gently offers to attend to all of our micro wounds before they fester inside of us. See, God loves to fill in potholes. He loves to fill in sinkholes. And friends, you may not be Haman and wish for the extinction of an entire race of of people. You may not seek to commit murder when you are triggered, but if you ignore that trigger, if you ignore that thing that sets you off, that sinkhole inside slowly kills the person that God wants you to be. Imagine how the story would be different if, if Haman recognized that inner pain, whatever he was going through. Imagine how this story would have been different if Haman realizes that Mordecai refusing to bow down to him was just merely a trigger. It's something that I could ignore. It's not really that big of a deal. It's just a trigger in my life. Imagine how the story would have been different if he realized that his pride overshadowed his common sense. Imagine how your life could be different if that pothole was filled in, if that emotional sinkhole was filled in instead by the Spirit of God. Friends, this month may not be the most easy for us to go through may not be the most comfortable emotionally. It may be a wild ride for some of us, myself included, because believe me, God is, is speaking to me through this series as well. I definitely have some potholes. And if I'm honest, I probably have some pretty sizable sinkholes. But I have found that the journey towards health, the journey towards healing has never been about skirting around the issue. The journey towards health is going right through it. So I encourage you. We've set up a, a couple things for you. I encourage you to join Remix at 1030 with, with Cheryl or maybe this Wednesday night with, with Pastor Callie. Unfortunately, our, we, our, even our pastoral staff is not set up to offer uh, counseling. We're not counselors, we're pastors, but we can provide you a safe place. We can provide you a place to start a conversation. And I promise you, you are not alone in this. I would love for you to take out your communication cards and let's go through a couple things here this morning. And we'll collect these in a moment with our offering as well, but you'll have a chance to turn these in. Go ahead and look at these. I want you to realize that your mental health is just as important as your physical health. And as we may be tempted and probably a really good thing for us to hit planet fitness in January and beyond, but it'd probably be a good time for us to hit the mental fitness as well. All right. So here's your next steps. Maybe one of these is you and mark them down as we go through this. Maybe your next step is saying, I'm going to spend time this week, this week, asking God to reveal my triggers. It's like Haman was triggered by Mordecai, Mordecai's refusal to bow down for him and his pride got the best of him. See, Haman was hiding out in this false sense of entitlement. We're going to talk about those places that we hide out next week. 
Maybe your next step is to spend time this week asking God to start healing that wound, that sinkhole, that pothole that lies underneath. This would be a good time for God to start that process with you. Or number three, I will follow in his directions to talk it out with others or maybe just to seek help. We got these uh, two Sunday school classes where you can come into a safe place if you would like to, to join either of those Sunday school classes. I'm sure any of our staff would love to talk to you. Again, we'd, we'd love to start that conversation with you, to be that accountability partner with you. We'd love to do that with you. We'd love to start this journey of mental health with you. Today, we're looking at all the things that trigger us and bring up the worst in us.